It's Friday, Friday. <laughs> Little uh, Rebecca Black. Yeah. Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Not only is it Friday, but it's the Friday before a long weekend. Three-day weekend. Three-day weekend, which I just discovered that uh, like two days ago or yesterday. This morning for me, <laughs> it's pretty pumped. Might get some skiing yeah. in this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Where are you going to go? Park City. Mm. Yeah. Did you watch any of the Winter Olympics? I've been turning it on in the garage uh, while I'm working on the truck. And how's the truck coming? <laughs> it's pretty much done. It's pretty much done. Pretty I started done. I started to put the tires on last night. And I was like, uh, how do you not finish putting the tires on? How do you start and not finish? So I like got the tools and I rolled one tire over and it was nice. How long did that take you? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I also, I finished up, I changed the lower coolant hose uh, yesterday. So I had to drain oh, all yeah. the coolant and stuff and getting that hose off was kind of a pain. But anyway, it was nine o'clock. I was like, I'm just going to go to bed. So all I have to do is put the tires back on, put some coolant back in and uh, pray that <laughs> everything, take for everything a test works. drive. But all the steering stuff is in and yeah. So I got this stuff called the uh, surface shield to uh -huh. spray. And so I sprayed a bunch of it on last week and it wasn't really drying. It's isn't it, it supposed to not dry? Well, it it dries a bit. It never fully dries. It's a lanolin base. So it's like lanolin? Lanolin. As in sheep's wool? Yeah, so it's kind of greasy. But it really wasn't drying. And so then I saw in the can you that You didn't catch that reference. No anchor man. No. Okay. Sorry. Um, it says apply, uh, over at over 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which you didn't do. Of course it hasn't been 60 degrees in like four months. So you didn't park it in the garage, heat it up. No, I didn't pick up my truck. You didn't use as stands. directed. I didn't words. pick up my truck off jack stands and carry it into the garage. I don't know why you got to be aggressive to me about <laughs> not following the directions. So it didn't work. No, it's it's on there. It's just taking longer to cure. I think so, yeah. But I'm a little worried about like driving through dirt or anything because it might end up just sticking sticking to it. Yeah. You got yourself a problem. We talked it's about <laughs> using tools as directed last time. <laughs> <laughs> Who reads the, all the fine print on those bottles? I mean, with aerosols and paints, I feel like it's wise. It's sage I, advice. I'm at 50% when I do. Like paints, yeah. I'll usually just look for what's the recoat time and what's the dry time. Which will be totally different depending on temperature. That's true. So pretty much makes it pointless to read it. So why read it at all? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of trucks, have you seen this Ford Maverick? 
We've talked about it a little bit in the past just because it kind of yeah, made the news. About a year ago, it it popped up in the news a bit. So, you know, no 3D printing involved just yet. I, I looked into this truck because I was like, you know what? This is actually the perfect truck for me. When did you start looking at this truck? After I had already bought <laughs> my current truck. Which is what... How old? We're not, no. Yeah, how old is it? How old is it? <laughs> I got it in October okay. 21. Okay. So it's been a trend for me to get a new car every three months or so. Yes, it has. Uh, but no, 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 no. I'm just saying it's you, far more economical. It's going to be the perfect bridge from gasoline to electric. The Maverick? Yeah. Other than the, because it's totally economical. Yeah, but it's, it's super just modern. pure gas, right? Yeah. There's there's an EV version, or not an EV, sorry, a hybrid model. Oh, That okay. gets like 40 MPG, and then there's an all-wheel drive turbo model that still gets like 2830. Okay. I believe. Okay. And it's just a cool little platform. It's a unibody truck, so it kind of... That's interesting. It's not traditional. It's, it's kind of like a ridge... Yeah, it's, it's like a, a ridge line or... There's other unibodies. You think that's funny? I think it's funny. It is a car. It's a car with a truck bed, it's which a, is what I've been It's a car wanting. with a lift kit. I went to a bass tournament once where an El Camino pulled his 22-foot bass boat to the lake. And wow, you could tell this guy was legit. Like, yeah. that was his real tow vehicle. And I, ever since I'm like, you know, yeah. cars, that that is a perfect car slash truck for me. Because I do put things in the truck bed. I use yeah. it all the time. Rarely do I haul around like five or six people. I don't really need the big cab. I just need a cab with some storage and a truck bed. Yeah. And El Camino's actually had a pretty long truck bed. I bet their bed was longer than a lot of modern trucks right now. Oh, for sure. I think there's trucks out there with four and a half, like full-size trucks with yeah. four and a half foot beds. Yeah. Anyway, not to get too sidetracked, the Ford Maverick is a re really, really cool truck by everything I've looked into. But if you remember why we talked about it the first time. I remember. It was because of this FITS technology. Do you remember what FITS stands for? No. Just take a guess. Take a wild FITS. F-I-T-S. Uh, I have no clue. Give it a try, Mr. Acronym. Mm, you're putting me on the spot. There's no way. You don't want to even try? FITS wow. technology. Hmm. If I were to guess, because I can't actually find the answer, I'd guess Ford Integrated Technology Systems. Okay. I, I hope, I found I hope the that's answer. not what it is. I found the answer. What is it? You take a guess. I'm not guessing. Give me one. F fits in the palm of your hand. <laughs> the, this little <laughs> toy car truck. It's cute. Uh, it's a good truck if you don't plan to tow anything like over 3,000 pounds. Yeah. Which, which is like, a that's a dinghy. That's like, no, that's, I think a bass boat with is trailer right, is with trailers, like 3,500 pounds. It's right there. Really? Yeah. All right. Anyway, what is it? What does it stand for? Ford integrated tether system. Okay. Clearly you had some memory uh, of that. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> so what's cool about this is Ford is actually releasing CAD files. Um, I don't know if there's a repository where others can like design things and put those in. Yeah. Um, but Ford is actually releasing the CAD files themselves 
So they're actually encouraging people to 3D print their own accessories. You can buy some accessories from Ford directly, or you can print some yourself. And I think that's really cool. Just the other day, and water bottles are something huge right now, like those Stanley cups, and they're so trendy, right? Like, uh, sure. What's the other one? That's water's water's really in right now. <laughs> it's so hot. It really. It's the way you carry your water that's so hot. You know what I miss? Those <laughs> cup holders that would clip into your windshield. Dude, I had on, those on yeah. one of my cars. Your your side window. Yep. And your side window. Just on the <laughs> inside of your door panel. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Better times. Simpler times when cup holders didn't weigh five pounds. My buddy actually, him and his son bought a Prusa and he printed this huge cylinder. Uh-huh. And he actually screwed it into the floor of his Chevy Duramax truck. He has like a work truck. And I was like, what the heck is that for? <laughs> and he pulls out this huge um, thermos. Yeah. I mean, probably 10 inch diameter. And maybe not quite 10, but pretty large like, diameter. Like those big insulated cups. Yeah. Oh, my God. So he's actually printed his own accessories for his truck. And it wasn't even Did he give it an those. acronym? No. Is it called DITS? No. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to know what that stands for in your mind. But um, anyway, I just think it's really cool that Ford's encouraging 3D printing these accessories. I agree. The bummer is its quality is largely dependent on how good you can print. And maybe it's not yeah. you, but your printer. Some some people will be better than OEM quality. Some people, maybe not so much. Nike's or there's... so. I've learned another acronym, DLC. Guess what that stands for? And this is in relation to Nike? Uh, no. Not DLC? Yeah. Digital? It's, re it's related to this conversation. Digital liability certificate. Nope. Downloadable content. Oh. And so the FITS is a DLC. It's a downloadable content. <laughs> is this podcast a DLC? Yes, I, I guess it is, but probably not. <laughs> I guess it could be. I don't know. Anyway, there was a news story that popped up this week about some DLC downloadable content that a fashion designer. Are we going to start using this commonly? DLC. DLC? Mm, I don't know. I'm kind of just testing the waters with it. Okay. Some DLC for a specific pair of Nike shoes. So the designer's name is Acronym and he paired paired up with a German uh, His first or last company. name is Acronym. His name's just Acronym. It's like he's a one-name celebrity. Like Beck. He's not even a celebrity. Bono. Never heard of him. Adele. Aquafina. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Tell us about this acronym character. Uh, so they just released some DLC stuff and that you download and you clip onto your shoes. I think we've actually talked about this. This is with, old news. Crocs have been doing this for yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The flare. Yeah. Printing some flare for your Crocs. I saw. Like a little spoiler. <laughs> I know. The spoiler I saw a few weeks ago. Little four-wheel drive emblems. Pretty pretty sick. 
Yeah. They almost convinced me to get a pair. Let's go back to the truck conversation, but now I guess you wouldn't call a Bronco a truck, but let's, let's wow. Would you? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've had this conversation before. It's an SUV. Before it's the it's the OG SUV. It, but it could be a truck too. You take that top off, pull the back seat out. That's true. Thing's a truck. Mm-hmm. It's body on frame. It's mm-hmm. built the same way. All the components are the same. But so, you want to talk about my Bronco? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about what you've been You're doing. You're going to indulge me? Yes. I need to get your your ratio up a little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you about it. So there, actually, there's something pretty cool, I think, that's worth talking about. It's a program called Geomagic. You ever heard of this? Geomagic. DesignX. DesignX. Yeah. They have a, a slew of, of software packages. I've been using the DesignX package because I had a coworker here. We'll call him Ebenezer. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Eb came over to my house and helped me scan my Bronco. Why did he help me? I'll tell you why. Because I needed that data in order to create some 3D files so I could get kind of a kinematic model going yeah. of my Bronco. Because if you're not familiar, it has kind of a unique suspension system. It's a it's an independent front suspension, but it if you were to look at it at first glance, it looks like a solid axle. It's really weird. If you want to know what I'm talking about, look up just Google twin traction beam Ford. And basically it's a complicated kinematic system it doesn't make a whole lot of sense at first glance how it really works but the way it was originally designed with the current steering system it has kind of some bump steer and that bump steer is mostly introduced at full bump and full droop of the suspension so as long as it's at ride height it's negligible it doesn't really matter What is bump steer? Bump steer is when you hit a bump and the truck wants to steer or the car. This happens in all vehicles because all vehicles suspension systems are designed on like a radius type system. None of them are on straight line mechanisms for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so that means it has limitations right at its max and and mins. And basically That's why you shouldn't lift your truck or lower your car or lower your truck or lower your car too far without taking into consideration the geometry and trying to correct it. Yep. Long story short, I want to design new steering system for my Bronco. I also wanted to do um, an inspection on my frame and make sure that it was straight. Yeah. Because my driver's side's tire was sticking out further than my passenger side. Couldn't figure it out. And I thought, okay, maybe before I bought my Bronco. In the front? Mm-hmm. It had a little accident. I mean, just to step back real quick, you're fully building out this Bronco as like a crawler, right? No. Would you call it a crawler or no? A pre-runner. A pre-runner style. So, but you're, it's a it's a big project. It's huge. It's a decade-long project. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Um, well, I had the truck as a daily driver once upon a time. I, I actually used, didn't know that. Yeah. I used to drive it to work every day. It was awesome. And it's a 95? Mm-hmm. 
made popular by O.J. Simpson. It's 96 is the last year, right, for the Broncos? 96 was the last year. And I've owned a 96 as well. Sold it to a coworker. And it, this is a white 95 Bronco. It's not white. <laughs> it's not white. <laughs> it's green and red and soon to have some white panels on it as is well. That, is that a factory color scheme, green and red? No. It, it <laughs> okay. was originally just green, like a dark forest green. Um, they Ford in the mid-90s had like that dark forest green and gold the eddie bauer the eddie bauer yeah. that was like classy yeah yeah they also had like a nice turquoise dark turquoise color mm-hmm. yeah yeah so this bronco has been in my life for a while i've always dreamed of making a pre-runner you know everyone that sees me talk about it or kind of knows what's going on they think that it's a race truck it is not a race truck like the definition, the very definition of pre-runner is that you pr- use it to pre-run racetracks. So it's like your practice yeah. vehicle. Yeah. It's a little more comfortable. You don't run at full race speed, but it is a capable vehicle that you can definitely run faster than like just crawling around in your Chevy Suburban. So it's just a fun haver for me. That's all it is. It's it's not a race truck. But I would like to not have bump steer because obviously that's exaggerated with, you know, double or triple the the suspension travel that it used to have. So Geomagic Design X. So you got in. Wait, real quick. So you got you got under the truck and you were using the Creoform handy scan, right? Like the blue laser handy scan. And that means you have to put targets all over the truck, right? (laughs) Those little stickers. I'm still finding some. (laughs) Little stickers. How long did it take you guys to scan the full underside of that truck? We didn't do the full truck. We probably only did three quarters of it. Okay. From the front back. That's all the data I really needed. Okay. Um, honestly, it took longer to put the stickers on. Yeah. Than it did to scan. So it probably only took 30 minutes. Really? 30, 40 minutes. For the scanning. Yeah. Just to scan. Now, if you add in the time to put the targets on and take them all off, yeah, we were probably an hour and a half. Okay. The cool thing about that handy scan is like it's handheld, right? So you can move around. You could have moved the truck too if you needed. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing that he did several different scans and then you guys stitched them together. Initially, we did that. It didn't work out great. Oh, really? So we switched it up and did it all in one one piece, which was okay. a ton of data. Yeah, it's not preferable, but we did that. And and this is all new to me, right? This is a right. big project from an engineering standpoint too, because we're doing some reverse engineering, we're doing some inspection, and for me, I'm learning how to do all this on the fly. Yeah. And then is lastly, it blowing your mind? Oh my gosh, DesignX. As from what I understand, it's like a $20,000 tool. Yeah, it is. But I can see how in certain cases in industries, it's irreplaceable. It has blown my mind how powerful it is. It's, there's so much automation. Yeah. And it's so good at it. Like a lot of times when I think automation, especially when it comes to like CAD data, 3D modeling, it's bad. It never does like what you want it to do. Yeah. The automation usually just like blends a bunch of junk together 
and makes a blob. With this program, it's very, very clever. I don't, I don't know how it works, but it's incredible. So basically, we're taking the scan, the mesh data, which is STL. Yep. And I need to create pieces, actual solid parts from the mesh. So you have a, a just a raw scan file, and you're looking to separate or segment out different areas, right? Yeah. Like you're trying to rebuild the axle or the knuckle yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Ideally, because we're doing, again, this is all just going to be eventually a kinematic model. Um, I would like it to be in the shape of some of the components so that it works as it's valuable as a space claim. Yeah. But basically, ideally, we would have taken each of these components off the vehicle to do an independent scan. We would have scanned the left arm, the right arm, the left knuckle, right knuckle, and so on. And we, we would have had all these independent files and it would have been much simpler from a data standpoint. What yeah, are you thinking? That'd just be crazy. Yeah. That'd but be crazy. We're trying to be efficient. Um, again, this is just kind of a fun project. So I didn't want to use too much of Ebenezer's time. And I didn't want to use too much of my time because for all I know, this could get thrown in the can. Sure. Because it doesn't work right. But so far, I've been catching catching all along. And, and it works with, a lot like SolidWorks. Um, with the raw data, I saw that you were able to just create some sketches and pick up different um, center points and check alignment. And also, you notice that some of the aftermarket products that are available aiming to do what you're doing are incorrectly designed. Like they, yes. Yeah. So that's, that's the biggest part. Like there are solutions available to, to basically correct this quote unquote bump steer yeah. on this truck. And they are definite improvements, but just on, just on looking at pictures of it, kinematically, you can tell the layout is wrong. Yeah. And I don't want to fork up two or three grand right. for a system that's like, that was designed by some guy in a shop that's eyeballing everything and thinking yeah. that this is how it works. I mean, to me, that's pretty interesting. So basically, you're you're trying to align pivot points in certain areas so that they all align and that, and that they have the correct plane of motion. Right. And what you noticed on like the avail the commercially available like aftermarket kits they put those pivot points in the wrong position. And so the kinematics are not what they probably claim or think that they are. Yeah. It's crazy. And you, you wouldn't be able to do that without the scan data. <laughs> right. And no one, you know, your regular Joe that uh, like kinematically, I, I, I've always loved kinematics, you know, going clear back to my childhood connects were like my jam. Right. So learning from an early age how these systems work and i remember building suspension systems when i was a little kid yeah and drawing them out on paper i'm obsessed with it to a point and sh it's but it's something that i've always noticed about that traction beam front end is like is that really the right place to put that pivot point mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. that the right place and i've always wondered and i just talked to a guy recently that said yeah i'm designing an equal length beam kit for that Bronco. And in my mind, I'm like, equal length beam will make this not work right. Yeah. Unequal length is what makes it work. 
And yeah, I'm really my respect for the Ford engineers has grown because I used to think that the twin traction beam front end was just an absolute disaster, even though that's the reason that a lot of people build these trucks into pre runners. But once I've analyzed it, it actually looks pretty darn good. I mean, to me, it's like someone is trying to combine, like take a solid axle and the benefits of a solid axle and then turn it into independent front. Yeah. I mean, is that essentially the goal? Yes. That's it. I mean, and who would have thought they're like, oh yeah, we could do that. That's a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> and and like I said, if you look at it, it does look like a solid axle, right? Yeah. It's got that pumpkin on the front end. It's got a differential that's all all hanging down like you would traditionally see on a truck. Yeah. But yes, it's independent. It's just kind of imagine the A arms being turned you know, 45 degrees. Right. And they're both turned. Right. People who don't know much about vehicles are going to think this episode is the worst. Well, let me tell you, let's get, yeah, I'll try not to get too much into the technical side of things, but why Geomagic has been so impressive to me is because a user like me who just has some SolidWorks experience yeah, can go in there. Um, I can build, I can reverse engineer solid models off of mesh data. So like you said before, I can pick up sketch points and I can make sketches based off of profiles and silhouettes and all kinds of cool stuff. And I can create planes and geometry out of seemingly nothing. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to be defined quite as well as SolidWorks, right? Like yeah. SolidWorks, everything needs three points of definition or it's undefined. Can we talk a little bit about this process of reverse engineering from scan data and how it's not a precise yeah. practice. No. Like there's a, there is absolutely a, an element of human judgment yes. in this process, right? Which a lot of people would probably be surprised by that. Yeah, take for example, a, a hole in the frame, uh-huh. right? Like say, say we just scanned my frame and there's a hole in it and I wanna use that hole as a reference point. Well, a scan is just triangulation, right? It's a bunch of triangles together. So if I try to pick up the center point of that hole, all I can do is draw a circle over it and it'll pretty much align. It'll average that circle Mm -hmm. so that I can find a midpoint on it. Yep. But it's just a guess. It's just an average of that data. And then you have that point. But then especially, at least in my experience, where it starts to get tricky is when you start picking up several points and then trying to relate them to each other. Because in the real world, everything's manufactured imprecisely, right? So if you're used to looking at 3D models all day that are perfect, Perfect. and then you get in scan data that is imperfect and you're trying to reverse engineer it, you have to make decisions. Yeah. Like, so you you had on your frame like four or six body mounts, yeah. right? Yep. And were they in a perfect rectangular no. grid? No. And well, that's actually how I inspected the frame straightness, right? Mm-hmm. I just drew some rectangles on a sketch on a plane that I had to create based off some reference points. So there's your first error, right? Like, because that plane isn't perfect. It's just a guess based on some points in there. Yep. 
Then I create a sketch that's a rectangle and I can look at all those points where the body lines up. And if they're skewed a significant amount, then I know my frame is crooked, but they were all just a little off. Yeah. But in, in no way that would tell the story that, oh yeah, it had a left side impact. Right. Right. And my guess is even if you took a brand new vehicle and scanned it, it would be imperfect. Well, and we've heard about this from some of our clients that deal with some Tesla aftermarket stuff. Remember, even a Tesla You're is gonna very, call it Tesla, huh? It's asymmetrical. Yeah. Using their words. Yeah. This this company, it's a client of ours. They're they're like, it's incredible how good they do at hiding the <laughs> asymmetry of this this vehicle. Um I think Tesla's kind of known for known for that it's like probably the one downside of tesla that the body fitment yeah isn't body fitment yeah but i was telling you a story about how i bought a rc car the traxxas Mm -hmm. and scanned it right out of the box and it was a glass fiber filled nylon injection molded part and it was warped and like visually you can't see it, but as soon as you start looking at the scan data, you're like, oh, this is warped. And so if you're trying to rebuild that structure, <laughs> mate, what do you do? Do you average do you, the yeah. variance? Or do you take the left side and mirror it? Yeah. What do you don't like, there is no right answer. It's a judgment. Well, and the best you can do is understand the intent, right? That, that's true. That's, that's what you're looking for. If you understand the intent behind the design, then you can be like, okay, you can make the decision. I'm going to mirror the left side because it's the closest to the intent Mm -hmm. of this particular thing. So if you have someone who doesn't understand cars or have no idea why this is that way, whatever, that's why it's so important to get, if you're going to have someone reverse engineering that they understand the purpose of the part. Yeah. Or at least ask the, the right people the right questions and and understand that. So it's it's been really fun to learn about this because, yeah, it's just a big approximation. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more accurate than I could have gotten with a measuring tape. Oh, just night and day difference. There's well, no way. Well, and with a measuring tape, you're only getting one data point at a time. You can only inspect, say, the measurement between two points. Yeah. At, at once. With a scan... I have the ability to measure six points at once and see if they're all in line. Right. Um, Or you could also, you know, approximate a plane. So you could select a face and then say, create a plane here and it will average out uh, the entire surface. Yeah. And it's because it's working off hundreds of thousands into millions of points of data. As much as you want to select. Yeah, it's crazy. But now having used the scanner and the software, you kind of understand this sentiment that oftentimes it's not the right tool too. Yeah. Well, it's just like with 3D printing, right? Like people think, oh, a 3D printer can create anything. Can you guys print this for me? Can you yeah. print that? And it's like, you have to have a discussion with them. This yeah. sometimes isn't the best tool for the job. That That's becoming uh, one of the more common conversations I have is someone comes in with a product in hand and they say, I want to, I want to scan this and print it. And the perception is like, (laughs) it's like that. It's easy, you know? 
And uh, very rarely is that the case. Very rarely. Yeah. If scanning's involved, you've got to go through this whole process like we talked about, which takes the right engineer with the right thought process because they're approximating a lot of things. Yep. And on a mechanical reverse engineering job, you know, if it's, say, like a cylinder with some little pieces here and there hanging off of it, it's relatively easy. But if it's an organic shape, like a like these beams, for example, or something else, there's a lot of, of guesswork right. in there. Right. And But there's a lot to it, right? Like, you don't just... I made an analogy the other day. I don't know if you heard it. What? But after I said it, I was like, I, I should write that down. I actually felt smart after, <laughs> um, but really just having a discussion with someone that comes to you and says, Hey, scan this and print it, or can you scan this and just print it? And they think that it's so easy. Yeah. That's like, that's like writing a book, but like you want the printer to write a book for you like a regular 2d printer. It's like, no, you have to have the intellectual property beforehand you have to write it down in a word processor. Yeah. Which you can choose. Yeah. Most of us use Word, right? But you have to have a program that processes the words and formats it. Then you have to send that file to a printer that understands it and actually yeah. print it out. But just because that printer can print ink and words doesn't mean that it can formulate the sentences for yeah. you. I can see that. Like you have these printers that also have copiers on them. And the analogy here is like, you just open it up, you put the whole book on there, you close it and you hit copy and it somehow copies every page and then re reprints every page I think that is people's perception of 3d scanning and 3d printing. Well, even with that, you still have to open it up and turn the page and scan the next page manually. Yeah, like exactly. You still There's, have work to do there. There is plenty of work to do in between there. And that's what I think people who read news articles about 3D <laughs> printing and then like hear or see a YouTube video about 3D scanning something, they think it's a lot easier than it is. Yeah, it's definitely not. And if you want to learn about what I'm talking about, one of our AEs, um, actually two of our AEs do some really good content on our Go Engineer YouTube channel. Um, William Huertes, and David Arena both do really good geomagic content. So if you just want to see the workflow from scan to solid parts or just a quick reverse engineer of kind of a basic part, go give those a watch yeah. because I actually learned a lot just from watching our own content. Did you ever see my RC Roadshow? No. YouTube video? Yeah. It's like 90 minutes long and it goes over collecting the scans of that RC car, combining them reverse engineering them and then doing the topology optimization for the new frame for the new frame it's very in-depth 90 minutes it's That's like, a good watch basically it is just a audio recording of the live event that we did cool it is pretty cool yeah not just because you did it it's actually and cool. i think it's unlisted so you actually i uh, know how do you view unlisted it, stuff i guess it, it's not unlisted it's not unlisted but you do have she's unlisted. Oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Dumb and dumber, man. Mary Swanson. I, here's the thing. <laughs> she, I she's I watch these movies. I very rarely remember that I even watched them, let alone individual lines. 
<sighs> Sounds like a personal problem. Yeah. There's something wrong with my brain. I know that. Well, I, I do recommend that if yours is findable, people try and find it. But I can tell you these ones that I watched, they're probably five or 10 minutes or less. So pretty quick, pretty fun to watch. And that actually brings me to my YouTube of the day. Oh, okay. This is one you know, I know, we've all seen this guy, but mm. it's one that I've seen referenced. I'm going to ask you to guess who this is. Okay. This is a TV personality who has a YouTube channel now and who lots of other YouTubers really like his content. <sighs> a TV personality. Mm-hmm. Cable TV, network TV. Cable. Mm. So C-list celebrity. You would know him and you'd be stoked <laughs> about it if you saw him. I would. If I um, saw him at like a hardware store, can, I'd be like, whoa. Would you see him at a hardware store? What kind of? Absolutely. Um, I don't know. He's an everyman. Ron Swanson. No, <laughs> but maybe. Yeah. No, Adam Savage. Oh, okay. Mythbusters. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. His YouTube channel is good. Yeah. And I had never seen it. I've heard it referenced and I always kind of avoided it a little bit because I'm like, he's had his time to shine. Yeah. He had the TV show, I, yeah. which I loved. I right. had nothing against that. But when you're on YouTube, there's kind of like that feeling of support small business type feeling. That's true. You know, that's true. And I don't know if that's actually true or not, but. What YouTube has helped me realize is that people like Adam Savage and, and that whole Mythbusters team, like they just, they're just normal people who had ideas and that were able to go pitch that idea and make the TV show work, you know? And now they, they do the same thing on YouTube, but YouTube makes it so that you don't have to go pitch it. You can just start it yourself, but it's not that different. No, and I do, I found myself wondering during watching his show, he's very enthusiastic, very animated. His facial expressions are awesome. And I'm like, how much of that is what he learned yeah. from being on TV? Yeah. Or is he really this guy? You, you never I don't know. know. You never know. Um, an another person in this same vein that we've talked about recently, Jesse James, he got a 3D printer. Guess who supplied it? desktop metal no <laughs> mark forged really yeah so they when just recently i just saw a posting this week a metal x no no just, he print he printed some parts with onyx okay mm -hmm. hmm. he, so again another great person to have as a voice for your product mark forged hit another one although we haven't seen the we haven't seen the update from titan on it, on that copper part. Oh, that's right. Hasn't been posted yet. Maybe it'll never happen. Mm, maybe I don't know. My buddy used to work for Mark Forged mm -hmm. and had discussions with Jesse James and they couldn't make it happen back yeah. then. Yeah. So I wonder what changed. Well, they have new leadership in the past two years. So by all accounts, the new leadership is more professional. <laughs> I don't, I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that. Okay. Well, my, it, let's my, hope they're upgrades. Yeah. Not that the old ones were bad, but we're always moving forward. <laughs> we're always, we're always improving. 
My YouTube of the day is a channel called Andrew Camerata. It's just like the guy's name. Okay. And it would be so much cooler if you could actually look it up because normally you have a laptop in front of you. And so you get to look it up. But I was, before we started this, I was telling you about a recent. How, why do you always choose these people with these, these names that are hard to spell? C-A-M-A-R-A-T-A. Andrew Camerata. I've been watching his videos now for a while. And I started revisiting them this week because I have this fascination with large machinery, heavy machinery recently. <laughs> and Tell this, us why. Dude, this Tell guy, us why. Because I have a lot of rocks I need to move. And so I'm like... <laughs> How big are these rocks? These aren't rocks. These are boulders. They're boulders. They're three foot and four foot boulders. They're big. They're big. And a bunch of dirt and stuff. And I'm just wishing, man, I could have saved myself three years of pain if I just had machinery since day one. It actually probably could have saved my whole life because I'm pretty much arthritic now oh and in gosh. pain all the time. Tell us what you like about this channel. Okay, so. Not only does he have heavy machinery. He has, but... a, he has a ton of heavy machinery. He also has a castle he made out of <laughs> shipping containers. <laughs> He's a just, shipping container castle? A shipping container castle. Where does he live? I don't know. Where can you get away with making a shipping container castle? He lives, wherever he lives, it's a great place. It's it's heavily wooded. Looks like there's some snow. Yeah. I think it's probably up in the, in the upper Midwest area, Ohio or somewhere like that. So He's got a million subscribers. Yeah, it's a popular channel. Um, and it's just grown over time. I like his videos because it's a great like background type video because oftentimes they're 30, 40 minutes or longer, not heavily produced. This is and something just, you put on your uh, your big TV in your garage. Yeah. While you're working it's just on like him showing showing the work. He does a ton of repairs of heavy machinery. So he'll like weld up new buckets. For his excavators. Why or, do you like this? Why do you like it? Just this fascinates stuff? me. Although I, I will say you haven't let me down with your YouTube of the day. As much as I make fun of you for them, because they're always kind of obscure to me. Mm -hmm. When I go back and watch them, I'm like, oh yeah, this is really good. It just goes to show how large the audience is for YouTube because someone with a million subscribers, most people have never heard of. And that just blows my mind. Didn't used to be that way. It's grown a lot. It's definitely grown a lot. Don't look at my YouTube. <laughs> I think I've got like probably 10 subscribers. I'm pretty sure those kids with like one video can get more than that. But I, I, I wish that you got to see more people with fewer subscribers. Like I find myself on a constant loop. Yeah. Of like five or six. I don't, yeah. I go the route of not subscribing to very many channels. And do you subscribe to a lot? Yeah, or I a do. Few? Do you like the way it works when like the algorithm works? Is it more tuned when you have a lot of subscriptions? Um, I don't know. Cause I've always subscribed to people that I want to see more of, but I do like, if I'm browsing YouTube on my TV, 
I see a lot of the same stuff and it got, it does get a bit repetitive. And I, I feel bad for the people who are YouTubers that feel like they have to pump out content twice a week or oh, that three is, times a week. They're slave to the content. <laughs> they are, they have to, but some of it's really good. I know, but man, as a profession, I don't, I don't know if I could, I could do that. Now, do you follow Adam Savage? I'm subscribed to him. Okay. So you are subscribed. Yeah. Is his stuff, would you, would you say someone like him isn't as pressured to do two videos a week? So his stuff's more pure. Like he's, he's already going to have the following by yeah. default. So he's not really after yeah. clout. Like he's just after, Hey, I want to film some stuff that I do and you guys can enjoy it when it, when it comes out. Probably. Yeah, probably. The video I watched of his was the bandsaw table. Oh, okay. Cause I've always wanted to make yeah. one of those. I actually don't watch most of them that pop up on his channel. For They're one. a little long. Yeah. But I did watch that. You um, did. Oh no. Did I you didn't. watch the I, I saw the thumbnail. <laughs> it was good. And that was like one a one day build. Uh -huh. right? yeah, yeah. That's what he calls them. Yeah. One day build. Although on this particular one day build, he spent the next day making improvements to it. So it was really oh, a two day build. Oh yeah. He finished it in the one day, but uh, I thought it was really cool to see his workflow. And I also just found myself being really jealous of, he has all the junk he needs right his there in his garage. His shop gives me anxiety. But it's organized chaos. Yeah, it gives me anxiety. Really? Yeah. Is yours more organized than his? Oh yeah. You just don't have as much stuff as him. Both, both are true. Both are true. He had three full like Plano boxes full of switches, like three-way switches, two-way switches. Yeah. That's a lot of junk to just keep around. I would, I'd never have use for that many switches, but how much of this do you think he collected from Mythbusters? <laughs> probably a ton. On the Discovery Channel's dime. Yeah, probably a ton. Who knows? Anyway, that's a, he's a, he's a great follow. I think I did not subscribe. Ooh. So I can't recommend burn. I just, if he's listening, he's let it be known. I subscribed. Tate didn't, but you never watch his stuff. I at least watch his stuff. And now it's going to pop up on my recommended more often. Mm, maybe I don't have to see and ignore everything he makes. I just get to see the good stuff. Mm. I think the algorithm works better when you don't subscribe to too many things and you just watch what you Maybe. want to watch. YouTube's probably just like trying to jam so many videos down the funnel to my eyes. I love that it. That it can't fit. So <laughs> let's get off the topic of the YouTube of the day. You have been wanting to tell us about some rocket stuff. <laughs> you always want to tell us about rocket stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So <laughs> why do you say that like you're guilty? <clears throat> I don't know. SpaceX had a <laughs> an update on Starship and super heavy projects. Uh, first update in two years. This happened last week. These are the ships that will hopefully soon go into orbit and hopefully eventually power uh, missions to the moon and mission missions to Mars. So pretty important projects in terms of like human exploration. And uh, so Elon gave some updates on just like the new Raptor 
engine design, which they compared V1 to V2. I saw that. Pretty nuts. Incredible. Very that's, clean. That's powered by 3D printing, largely. Uh, 3D printing and consolidation of parts and having complex single parts um, with fewer flanges and welded connections and things like that. Fewer uh, tubes and lines and things. So they're putting 33 Raptor engines on every super heavy. And I explain think to me what a super heavy is. A super heavy is the launch booster. So think about uh, the, the space shuttle. You had the shuttle itself and then at launch, it was connected to those boosters, like mm -hmm. the big orange booster. Yeah. And then when it launched- I remember them being red. Yeah, it's like a burnt <laughs> orange. It's a canyon. It's a canyon <laughs> orange. It's red rock. Yeah. So after the shuttle would launch, those things would drop into the ocean. So that's essentially the super heavy, but the super heavy launches, launches uh, the module called Starship, and then super heavy lands. And super heavy has 33 Raptor engines. The Raptor engine itself is already like, one Raptor engine is like the pinnacle of rocket engines. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of 16 semi trucks or it has the power to to lift like 16 semis or something like that. Yeah, some some people will say like it has so many horsepower, which is just like a ridiculous unit of measure for these rocket engines. Yeah. Uh, most rocket engines are measured in like specific impulse, which no one knows. But it's it's just immense. And then you have 33 of those on the bottom of super heavy and then it launches starship and starship i think has nine itself and they're going to make a hundred plus of these things so we're talking about hundreds of tons of 3d printed parts over the next years just a massive amount of 3d printed parts required why use 33 super heavies and nine when you could just make a consolidation of those just a bigger engine. Well, I mean, I'm not the engineer here, so I could just spitball some different reasons. One is that redundancy. Yeah, of course. But also you, you have would still you have, have redundancy. Added, you have added complexity too, right? Because to have 33 working may be harder than having a few working. You'd think it'd be yeah. But these each of these engines I'm just going back to what I was just saying. Each of these engines is already like the pinnacle of rocket engines in terms of thrust generated. So it's already, one of these is already pretty much. You know what I'm thinking of? What? <laughs> to take this back to trucks. Remember back in the day when like a Rancho shock was like the coolest thing you could have on your truck and people <laughs> I, I would didn't, just stack them? I didn't grow up in farm country like, yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining looking at the back end of a lifted truck with <laughs> yeah. like eight Rancho yeah. shocks in the back yeah. where it's like, we don't have the technology to make this in one shock, <laughs> but in order to get the dampening we need, we're just going to put eight yeah. of them. I'm picturing the guy who's driving around the truck with every stick on thing from AutoZone. <laughs> no, it just no. hood vents everywhere. <laughs> the turbo emblem it, on yeah. the back. It's not like that. 
I it does seem like that because now you have like a king bypass triple sh- uh, a triple bypass so, shock that can do the thing the yeah. work that all eight of those could do. On the current size of the Raptor engine has 3D printed parts in it that are already oh, pushing the limits of what you can 3D print. Mm-hmm. So there's manufacturing complications with making everything bigger and even more thrust. So having a lot of t- quote unquote tiny yeah. modules. Easier to manufacture. Easier to manufacture and uh, cost efficient. Not way, even easier, sure. just possible. Yeah, in this case, for sure. Okay, that makes sense. Sorry that I walked us down nope. that rabbit hole. It's all good. It also means that you could pull them out and service them and pull them back in. Uh, That's a good enough here. answer for me. Yeah. Maybe it's not even the right I hope answer, it's right. It's I, It could be completely wrong. I don't know. Elon. <laughs> Elon. Call us. We know you're listening. We've heard through the grapevine you're... A, a big time fan, so just let us know. Well, is there any? It sounds like um, so. Velo 3D is a is a big supplier, uh, important supplier to uh, SpaceX, and it sounds like I'm going to be back out at Velo in April, and we're hoping to do like a live tour of their new manufacturing facility. Of Velos, uh huh. Very cool. So, yeah. Be on the lookout. Like, I guess probably you can find info on that either on my LinkedIn or Go Engineers LinkedIn. Uh, probably sometime next month we'll have a date date planned, and you could tune in live and see what it's all about. You gonna do a webinar yeah, out there? Yeah, like a live webinar touring the facility. It's gonna be rad. Oh, sweet! Yeah, we we haven't done that before, have we? No. Ooh. Yeah, it'll be awesome. A Go Engineer first, <laughs> a Tyler Reed first, that's, a Velo first. That's a world's first. It's probably not a world's That's actually first. pretty exciting. Yeah, doing it live adds some complexity to it, but I think it's cool because we'll be able to respond to people's questions and make it a little interactive. Nobody better for the job. That's right. And I'm not just saying that. I mean <laughs> it. I, I would not want to trade you places, but I think you're you're a good person for it. All right. I think, is that a good time to wrap up for today? I think it's a great time. I'm surprised it took us so long to to talk a little bit about 3D scanning. We'll have to talk more about it as your project progresses. Yeah. And we'll talk about any plans in the future to 3D print some components just to to check. I think it'd be so fun to print like a little kinematic model of your suspension. Yeah. And steering and whatever. Once it, once I design something that works. Yeah. I think it'd be perfect because I'd love to because I know there's people that are going to be like, why did you, you know, obviously not people within the 3D printing industry, but people that have been building these pre-runners and double swing steerings for forever. Yeah. Why would you do that when you could have bought this off the shelf? Right. I want to be able to explain and show the difference. Yeah. You know, I think it's awesome that you have data that shows these other designs are compromised. Yeah. Well, because all no one else has the tools. Yeah. Right. The tools are there. People just don't take advantage of them. Yeah. I mean, again, I had enough data just off eyeballing it that most of these were wrong, and yeah. then the scan proved. Yeah. Proved that. So anyway, cool right stuff. On. Okay. Well, enjoy your long weekend. You too. Happy President's Day. <laughs> we gonna get this out? Yeah, we'll get it out. Awesome. All right. Later. See ya.